Welcome back to episode 008 of Penta Street Physio Direct. It's another day in Corona Paradise. Hopefully you guys are doing well. Thank you to all three of you who have sent me a billion questions. All coming from one person. I'll get through it. Uh, let's begin. So this question is about pre-fatiguing a muscle. Will it assist with the overall lift for example doing isometrics prior to a lift um, whether it is the agonist or antagonist so I'll give you an example if you're doing a squat should you pre-fatigue your uh, quadriceps before you squat in short no a couple studies have shown that it decreases the number of reps done probably because you have fatigued your main movers uh, there have been fairly variable changes on EMG findings and there was I think one particular study done um, based on rapid shoulder movements uh, which showed that if you pre-fatigued some of the shoulder muscles I think it was the external internal rotators that it showed that there was a decrease in velocity when you do the rapid movement again so your movement becomes less rapid so in terms of performance it'll probably decrease your performance so if you're going to go for a max squat you probably shouldn't uh, pre-fatigue yourself on leg extensions that being said it has potential for muscle building as it can increase your overall volume if you fatigue a secondary mover then you potentially increase the activation of the primary mover so what that means for example if you do say a push-up which requires your triceps muscles and your chest muscles to push yourself off the ground then if you pre-fatigue your triceps doing say triceps kickbacks or extensions then your pecs will work harder to lift you off so that could be of use in certain situations the other potential use of say doing an isometric prior to a lift is if you have perhaps some tendon issues and the isometrics can decrease your pain prior to lifting you gotta make sure it is actually a tendon issue though so that will cover that question not much has been said about that from what I can see the next question is if you activate your glutes too much is there a possibility of changing the bony orientation of the pelvis? Answer, to be quite frank, is that I don't know, but probably not. Um, I don't think there's any studies done to my knowledge. And honestly, I'm not even sure if they would do it because there's not really any valid reason to do it. Bony morphology varies significantly and everyone has a slightly different shape. So everyone's got a slightly different shaped pelvis. Everyone's got differently shaped hip sockets that are angled slightly differently. Um, there has been some famous stuff and that's spilled over to Instagram and social media that even hip sockets can vary in the same person. So you can have one hip that's deeper than the other and that's part of your anatomical configuration. Learn to love it, learn to deal with it and you'll still be able to perform at a very high level. No dramas about that. Now, the next question that piggybacks off this one is that does the bony orientation lead itself to altered mechanics or pathomechanics? 
So the pelvis consists of three major bones, the ilium, the sacrum, and the ischium. Well, you got the ilium and ischium on either side, and then you have the sacrum in the middle. So you got three sort of, three bones that connect together to form the pelvis. If we are talking about those segments relative to each other, absolutely not. I don't see that stuff doing anything, to be honest with you. But if we are talking about the whole pelvis, which I consider a bowl, which is probably an analogy that I use quite often. Um, if I use that in relation to the lower back or lumbar spine, uh, yes, it can certainly lead to altered mechanics or pathomechanics. So if you tilt your pelvis forward, it can lead to your dreaded anterior tilt. And I say that with dry sarcasm. If you tilt the bowl back, then you can lead to a posterior tilt. And again, that changes how your spine looks and moves. But like I said, how important of that, it really depends on the context, which is king, okay? So I'll give you an example. Potentially, if you put yourself in a lot of anterior pelvic tilt, you probably make it harder for yourself to contract your pelvic floor muscles when you're lifting. So you may, may benefit from a posterior pelvic tilt. In pelvic tilt, in say the context of running, very debatable, evidence says probably not, but in saying that though, it doesn't mean that you can't try and muck around with your orientation. However, that being said, I mean, if you're gonna go running, right? If you're gonna go running and you're gonna try and actively change your pelvic tilt, that in itself is very, very inefficient because when you run, you just want to run. You don't wanna think of those little intrinsic cues too much especially an intrinsic cue like pelvic tilt because it takes away from you enjoying the, the movement itself. But in lifting, potentially, it's got more application, I would imagine. But at the same time, you do see lots of variations between people who lift. So biomechanically, it does make sense to maybe if you are in an excessive pelvic tilt, which leads to an excessive lumbar lordosis, um, which is a curve in your lower back then you could benefit from maybe just reducing your pelvic tilt a little bit so that your spine is in a slightly more neutral position and you might find that you can um, you might find that you feel different muscles work or you might feel your abs engage a bit more because of that it might benefit you you'd have to play with it and see how you feel that is everything for today i will come back with more questions if you got any other questions shoot until then Peace out. If you've survived this long, thanks for listening. Now, don't go off into the sunset and blindly do what I may have said or recommended. Seek proper advice from qualified healthcare professionals. Like, comment, subscribe, or book in if you'd like us to assist.